Hello and welcome to KMUK's Kind to Your Mind podcast. There's no two ways about it. This year has been hard. We're all doing our best, whether that's struggling homeschooling and Zoom calls, filling our time on furlough or going into work every day to keep the country moving. When you're having a tough time, it's pretty tempting just to retreat into yourself and feel like you're the only one struggling. Spoiler alert, you're not. And that's what this podcast is all about opening up and sharing about a variety of topics to make us all feel a little less alone. There's power in talking, so let's chat. We'll cover everything from how to support a colleague or friend, personal stories of living with mental health problems, and a variety of general wellbeing topics like domestic abuse and neurodiversity. So let's get started. Hi there, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We've got Mike and Charlie with us. I'll let them introduce yourselves, but I'm Alex and I'm part of the comms team. But um, over to you, Mike. Thanks, Alex. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Mike Williams. I've been working with my sister, Sarah, on the KN Kids Project. So you might have seen some of my videos if you've been involved in that. They're very uh, nature focused. I've done most of them either out in nature or talking about nature. My background is that um, I'm an osteopath among other things. I love being out in nature and I'm very um, holistic in my approach to everything really. I've been home educating my kids for the last four years and over lockdown I've been training in a grammar school locally to um, become a qualified teacher with the intention of setting up an outdoor school in September next year. Wow very exciting that's Mm -hmm. definitely a, a changing career into one that I'd love to hear more about and Charlie how about you? Yeah, it makes me wish you didn't. I didn't go after Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, my name's Charlie Leake. I work as a talent manager within the pod team. I've worked at Kunanago for the last two and a half years. I spent the last uh, 18 or so working in the field of talent management, learning and development. Uh, that's my profession and my passion. I can't claim to learn anything over lockdown. <laughs> um, my daughter's taken part in the kids club. Um, oh, I, I, I did teach myself piano in, during first lockdown. I can... Uh, Brilliant. I can, uh, I can, I can kind of claim that one, but um, fortunately, nothing, nothing else quite as uh, magnificent as Mike. <laughs> Goodness me, you put me all to shame. All I've done is master a couple of new recipes, and that's about it. But anyway, over to Mike. And in terms of what we're here to discuss today, I think we're looking at the topic of kind of trust, particularly with children over this period of lockdown, and and as the measures ease as well. Yeah, absolutely. I um, it was interesting when this when this whole um lockdown thing started last last year um something that really surprised me was how one of one of my favorite spots like this there are some hills near us I live um live in the Chilton Hills and um I love going going up on the hills and walking around and it's, it's one of the places I feel so comfortable and and healthy and well and uh one of the first things that happened was the car park very small car park got blocked up um and and this happened to lots of sort of nature spots around the country and it, and it really confused me because I thought, well, if, you know, if we're facing um, some kind of pandemic, surely being out in nature is one of the best things we could be doing for ourselves. I mean, eventually they did actually remove those blockages, which is great. And lots of people went out into nature, which is fantastic. But it really struck me how, you know, McDonald's was never closed. We could always access that. But um, those things that um, address the health of the nation seem to be, um, you know, a, a far lower consideration. So I'm I'm very interested in exploring why it is that nature makes me and other people feel so good physically emotionally you know psychologically and you know it seems it seems to be the the thing that could change society significantly if people were to embrace it more 
completely with you on that even on a, a small scale just at work having a, a walk outside on a lunch break or on a phone call that doesn't have to be a zoom for once it really does make a big difference to to come back and have a new kind of set of eyes if you like for whatever work follows that that brief interlude into nature so yeah i can completely agree with that mm. yeah i think we've, i think we've lost as well we've lost a lot of uh of uh, kind of light and shade with where we where we work now where most of us are working from home uh, and it's no longer we've no longer got a difference between stepping out of the house and into a new space um which is for me that's why i enjoy nature as well i enjoy going out to a different space uh, but i remember going to a conference a few years ago and watching a guy do a presentation on happiness and he talked about uh the relative value of happiness and what what things make us happy intrinsically and, and which things we think should make us happy but actually don't and he said overall of all the studies he's ever read the one thing that has a sustained amount of happiness uh delivered uh, every time is is gardening mm. so getting out in your garden and the the theory behind it is that that's because you're nurturing something to grow uh and you're kind of at one with nature and you're being part of that natural process of growth uh which is ultimately very rewarding for many yeah absolutely that that makes perfect sense because you're 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 connected you're connected with nature you're you're drawing parallels between yourself and and what you're seeing in nature and like you say nurturing it's it's a wonderful thing there's something there's something meditative as well about um i mean i i i've sort of dabbled with meditation for for many years but um I've never quite managed to sit still for long enough to make it effective. And I think that that's the case for a lot of people. Um, but when I go out in nature, I can sit and gaze at, I don't know, a, a sunset or a flower or anything really. And it's, or a bee, you know, and it's fascinating. It just, it focuses your attention and, and really um, brings you back to, back to earth. No, I can completely agree with that. And in terms of where you're moving your, um, your skills, if you like, and your training, Mike, in terms of, becoming a teacher and looking at setting up an outdoor school how how would that work um well I, I say outdoor school it's probably the wrong term because it's um it's going to be more of a um I suppose a childcare setting but the the educational aspect is um is really important to me because something I'm something I'm seeing being in you know training in the mainstream system is that we're sitting in a class because I'm teaching biology so we're sitting in a classroom and out the window you know the leaves are the leaves are you know, growing on the trees and the blossoms everywhere and it's beautiful out there, but we're stuck in a classroom talking about what's out there. And it just strikes me that if we were actually out there, uh, we have context and it, and it doesn't just, it's not just biology we're learning about, we can learn about all sorts of different topics and, and woven through together with stories and, and it just becomes something much more engaging and fascinating. And one thing I've found is Whenever I've brought in a prop, I suppose you call it a prop or a scaffold from the out, you know, from nature, like finding a crocus outside, you know, spring came and I found a crocus outside and I brought it into the classroom and showed the kids and suddenly they were really engaged and, you know, they recognized it was the, the beginning of spring. It was the, it's the crocus that, you know, lets everyone know that spring is here. And, you know, I think it's just things like that. It just, it just engages the kids engages me and I think if I'm enthusiastic then the kids are going to learn more as well yeah and I think it's I think it is just providing that actual real life context 
yeah. to to relate that the educational learning to something that actually they see in their day-to-day life or they can pick and be like oh actually outside the classroom that's exactly where it's from or that's what that topic or subject relates to yeah and there's there's the whole thing with um with cycles as well you know um we we can look out the window or be in nature and we see these we see the seasons changing and we see these cycles and as soon as we start to again like this these parallels with our own life we start to see the cycles that we're experiencing like the the longer term cycles of how our bodies change over over many years or the the monthly cycles that we go through or the, the various different cycles that happen throughout the year again we can start to notice that we are a part of nature we you know we act very similarly and it's actually those cycles that we find in stories that we love reading and you know we see it everywhere and I think bringing all that together really helps as well. It helps us to recognize that everything's always changing. Everything's always a cycle, you know, whatever challenges we're going through, whatever discomfort, it always, always ultimately resolves at the other end. Um, so mm. I think I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested in exploring that with, with other people, with the children as well. I think the uh, interesting thing that I noticed as well with around that, uh, when the field of work that I work in, we talk about transitions through change and we talk about how difficult it is people find sometimes to go through processes that are cycles that include change, because um, most of them do. Uh, and the key thing is, is that whenever we experience change, whether it's uh, expected or not, is that we all have to go through some sort of psychological journey. It's a transition from one identity to, a, to another and uh, that requires a new set of adjustment to to the values or what's around you. And uh, I think the the more expe- the more extreme the change, the the more extreme the psychological impact can be. So um, I think we're probably seeing a lot of that play out with lockdown as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's um, it can be it can be really uncomfortable to go through those changes. I, I'm certainly finding that with my training in in school. It's um. It's, it's not an environment that's natural to me because I, you know, I'm, I'm more at home climbing a tree really, or walking on the hills than being in a, in an institution like a school. Um, and it's been very, very uncomfortable for me at times. And, and when you feel like you're, you're stuck in that, when you feel like there's no end to it, um, that can be very, um, can feel very claustrophobic, I guess. Um, like, like you guys were saying about the lockdown as well, but yeah, no, knowing that knowledge that things always change and they resolve. Yeah. It's uh it's powerful really. Mike you mentioned earlier on how how you're involved or have done homeschooling for many years and I think that's uh you know it's one of the things that uh I found really difficult uh as a parent uh doing it with my daughter and, and so of many many others yeah uh, and it seems like the approach has been wrong what what's um what, what's your view on that on on the whole homeschooling uh approach well I think um I think I think a big part of it was we ended up doing it by um, out of necessity because of um, because of my eldest son being autistic. We did try school when you kind of resolve yourself to the fact that, okay, we're doing this a lot. A lot had to change in our lives. Huge amount. We had to basically shape our lives around the, the fact we were homeschooling. We had kids here all the time. And that's been very difficult at times. But I think something we've realized is that what most people were doing over lockdown is this idea of home homeschooling as in school like normal, but at home. And certainly the school I'm working at, there was no interruption to the lessons at all. It was just all delivered digitally. And I know lots of schools have, have struggled with that. There's been a lot of variation, but the way that we approach 
home educating with our children is much um, much more intuitive, much more child led. We might we might um, say say the bones of the skeleton I was mentioning earlier. That might be a project that goes on for a month or two, um, and it might lead into religion, or it might lead into um, you know uh, philosophy or English literature or anything like that. And and there's maths and anatomy and all that kind of thing as well. So it's very child led. And it's like in any topic seems to be a window into every other topic that ever, would ever be studied at school. But I just I just look out for that, um, you know, for the for the kids eyes to light up. And I, and I follow that generally. Well, that's a wholly different approach to the one that we've been trying. Yeah. Oh, well, it, it is. But it doesn't mean you've been doing it wrong, because it seems to me like like um, if you're in the mainstream system, you didn't really have a choice because the kids yeah. had to keep up with the with the curriculum and the pace, didn't they? Yeah. It does. I mean, there's a fascinating TED talk, isn't there, by a guy called anyway. The guy talks oh, about Ken, how, Ken Ken Robinson. Ken Robinson. That's the one who talks yes. about how schools kill creativity. Yes, he does. Uh, yeah. And it's a fascinating talk. One of the, one of the original TED talks, and and it's uh, and the, and it's probably by removing that choice at a very early age. The system does that, um, or at least it doesn't facilitate creative uh, creative minds as well as it should. Yeah, it, it certainly feels like it could be improved. Um, I think I think there's a lot of good work that goes on in schools, but um, and they you know they're working with what they can. I, I definitely see that, but um, no, I'm just I'm just really seeing that it could be so much more simple and and the same the same outcome really, or hopefully a better outcome really because they actually remember things and you know and get passionate about things. Mm, it seems like it's also the perfect opportunity really for I guess schools and parents like to to kind of get outdoors especially as spring's coming in the summer yeah. um and the sunshine comes in and uh, yeah we can definitely make the most of getting out and about even more so. Yeah absolutely. I was I was also thinking that um because I know that we said we might talk a bit about social media and it kind of it kind of segues quite nicely because um I remember a time when I was doing a lot of social media some years ago when I mean I don't, I don't know if you're Alex you're in marketing I don't know if well both of you are involved in marketing aren't you in you some shape this? or form <laughs> sorry in some shape or form I would, I would, yeah. I would say I say very very loosely <laughs> yeah loosely yeah but I mean you're familiar with with the concept right yeah. and yeah and some something that say Facebook did uh, first and then it was followed by other platforms there's sort of like a, a golden a golden age for marketing so they want loads of loads of people to engage. So they make it really easy for people to get followers and for their content to be seen. And so people build up a like a personal brand on social media. And then it and then it kind of changes and people lose all don't lose all their followers, but they lose their engagement. They have to work much harder. And then it moved over to LinkedIn. Same thing happened. And I was quite involved in um, in sort of coaching people for a period of time on how to make the most of that. And so um, when I was using Instagram quite a lot, I found myself, because um, this is relevant, I'm getting somewhere with this, I found myself out in nature, in the places I love, thinking to myself, this would make a great post, or I need to take a picture of that, and then I can post it, that's going to get loads of likes. And it suddenly became, the whole, the whole point of the experience was, was completely um, diluted or even spoiled because of this, um, you know, this feeling of needing to, um, to put it on social media. So even though I wasn't at the computer and my phone was in my pocket, it was still always kind of a, a shadow over the experience. Yeah, you, found... you're almost not living in the moment and appreciating yeah. what's right in front of you. Instead, you, you're viewing it through a, through a little tiny phone screen instead, whereas you've yeah. got the whole 360 view in front of you. Yeah, I can, yeah. can completely agree yeah. with that. And the motivation is, is skewed, isn't it? It's, um, 
you're there for the wrong reasons. You're there for because of social media, yeah, not the other way around. And that's the it's the, that's the dopamine addiction of of social media. The it's been proven now with all the studies around uh, when someone clicks a like and gets a like or a, a, a thumbs up against their post, you get a dopamine hit, and uh, that's is addictive. And it's um, but it's also false. So people, you know, create and uh, their entire life through a lens or through a filter. And it's uh, yeah, I must admit, I've, I I was a huge social media active user, if you like, on all different kinds of sites. But now um, it's hardly anything. Right. I write the occasional article on LinkedIn, but I've pretty much stopped using Facebook now. I just, just don't see the need anymore. It's just there's more important things to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you, Charlie. That's that's um, same here. Yeah, I, I deleted my profiles. I've still got LinkedIn going on, but um, I don't even really go on there much either. But it's do you, do you feel like you miss it at all? No, not at all. No, not in the slightest. OK, no, me either. <laughs> liberating, really. Yeah. No, I definitely think we can all uh, take a leaf out of both your books. And even if it's just setting aside a couple of hours each each day or evening where you just don't look at it or, you know, you you turn off your notifications so you're not constantly checking. I think all little things like that can make a big difference to kind of just stopping those thoughts creep in in regards to that kind of external validation from those social media platforms and things. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's the it's the polarization as well, isn't it? Because because it, it and that creates drama. So we're we we find ourselves sort of addicted to that drama. And uh, oh, this person said that, and yeah, it's like a drama and a friction that we're it feeds some kind of desire, doesn't it? And we we want to get involved in it, but it's it's not a healthy thing. Mm, definitely one to watch, particularly I guess as you said, you know, with with children and at school, yeah. you can imagine that the pressure amongst their their friendship groups is is quite quite extensive especially as compared to I guess adults where we've got that kind of wider picture or we may not have well I definitely didn't I didn't grow up with social media um being at my fingertips like like children of today are so I think it's it's definitely one to watch and I think even more so um highlights the importance of what you were saying earlier about getting out of nature and kind of leaving the technology behind yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you really can. It's and it's a strange thing with phones, isn't it? Because um, I, I always feel like I, I need to have my phone at least with me just in case something happens to the kids if I'm not there. Mm. Um, but it's so nice just to when I'm with the kids and I'm out and I can just turn the phone off and forget about it completely. And it's and it's it's very liberating. Definitely. No, completely with you on that. I've really actually enjoyed the the topics of today. I say that when I look out to a very dreary, um, <laughs> wet, wet weather day here, but um, definitely inspired me that I think I might just have to take a walk this lunchtime as well and uh, leave my uh, leave my phone behind as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it doesn't matter if it's raining; you've got to wear the right coat, haven't you? Exactly. Yeah, no such, no such thing as bad weather. Just poor poor choice of clothing, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> exactly well thank you so much for your time today mike i've, I've really appreciated it and uh, yeah definitely a lot of takeaways that have um planted a seed in my mind of uh, what i'll look out for and what i'll be trying to do in the in the very near future and right. i like what you did with the seed there that's great <laughs> always finding a way in with uh, any sort of mild pun here and there yeah it's been really good to really good to talk to you both thanks alex and charlie yeah thanks very much mike thanks alex